welcome to the Thinking Pilates podcast, where show after show, we bring you a different way to think about teaching Pilates. We make you dig deep, ask the tough questions, and keep unraveling the rich layers of teaching movement. I'm Chantel Lopez, founder of Skillful Teaching, an international education company just for Pilates and movement teachers, and author of Moving Beyond Technique. I am so gratefully joined in this delightful and crazy endeavor by my sometimes co-host and podcast co-founder, master teacher, and mentor, Deborah Colway. Welcome to episode 34. Today we are talking with a friend and colleague of mine, Anne Bishop from Pilates with Anne and founder of Body Brain Connect, an amazing educational company for movement teachers and practitioners of all kinds that strives to bridge the gap between brain science and movement practice. Now, Anne and I have known each other for quite some time. You'll find out a little bit more about that. We have been colleagues and collaborators, and it's just my absolute pleasure to have her on the podcast today. I think you're going to really enjoy the topic. It's different and unique and very much on the cutting edge of science and research So very cool to look at how it applies to movement practice, teaching movement, uh, teaching in general, and the body. We also have some really cool stuff for you at the end of the podcast. Our pro tip for today comes directly from Anne's Body Brain Connect uh, curriculum, which I'm excited to share with you. It's something that I have used and taught uh, teachers and find just it's been such, such a valuable tool, super simple easy to implement, um, and just incredibly powerful. We also have a really lovely resource uh, hero for you today. So uh, without further ado, let's meet Anne. Well, good morning, Anne. How are you? Good. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm really excited to be talking to you this morning. Um, You and I have become really awesome collaborators over the years, and I'm, I feel so fortunate to know you and to be able to work with you. And I'm thrilled to be talking to you today because it's the first time you and I have spoken since you had your son, which was, uh, let's see, what, like not even 10 days ago, eight, like a week? How long? Since no, Dominic's about about uh, 13 days ago. 13 yeah. days yeah. ago. <laughs> That's Dominic in the background, if you can hear him. <laughs> Uh, we will welcome that sound as we record the podcast today. Uh, I've definitely been in this same situation, uh, both when my son who's now 11 and my daughter who's now three, um, you know, right back, right back at it. And, um, I think that's something Anne, you and I have always had in common is our shared drive to participate and create and, and to be teaching and working and, um, it's one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on the podcast today. Uh, I'm hoping that that one of the subjects uh, that we'll be talking about is just what this, you know, you've done some really interesting things. You've done some really great things. You are continuing to do some really awesome things. Um, and now you have two babies. Uh, and so this, for me, it's always an interesting uh, piece to look at is, you know, being a parent and being a teacher and being an entrepreneur and and I'm always really interested in, in what drives me and what makes, uh, you know, like why I make the decisions that I do. And, um, I think a lot of, a lot of teachers, um, you know, women in particular, uh, are faced with some, some real interesting challenges, uh, but also benefits of, of being a teacher. So, um, 
you want to just talk to you a little bit about that and then and then also some of the some of the things that you're doing so um, Anne is not only a studio owner uh, she's owned Pilates with Anne in Petaluma for I know it's been more than 10 years Anne when did you open Pilates with Anne well it was um December of 2002 so this year it'll be 15, 15 years holy smokes <laughs> yeah. that's so crazy that's so crazy um, and you and the studio is uh, thriving, and you have uh, a great team of teachers working with you um, and for you. And um, when did you? Uh, well, let's do this. So um, let's start. We were chatting before we started recording a little bit of like the uh, the original impetus for becoming a teacher. And um, you had mentioned something that uh, aligns a little bit with. Um, parenting, you know, that choice to become a parent. So will you talk a little bit about how you got started and, um, you know, just what the impetus was to become a teacher and then we'll, and then we can Uh maybe talk a bit about the next, that next step for you when, when you went to grad school and, and, uh, started body brain connect. But what was it back then when you started to teach and were making that decision? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I think I have a relatively classic story. Um, I was majoring in um, biology and dance down at UC Irvine. Um, and unfortunately, I uh, had a, a knee and a back injury down there. And um, it just felt like a little too much for me. So I decided to come home um, from college. I was about a junior at that time, so I took a break from my undergrad experience and um, really was basically in a good deal of pain <laughs> due to mm-hmm. my, my back being out, and I was searching for help, and I tried a lot of, um, you know, allopathic medicine, um, seeing doctors and osteopaths and acupuncture, and um, nothing really worked until I found a Pilates instructor, and I was very lucky. I, I feel like I found a very good Pilates instructor. This was about in 2000. Um, her name was is Connolly Weinberg, and she went on to be my mentor. And I really fell in love with Pilates. Mm-hmm. I think obviously because I had a background in dance, and then I had a background in biology. So I loved the anatomy. I was really fascinated by that. And so I started teaching that classes in '01 at a local dance studio, and then in '02 I went off and. Um, got a certification through Stott Pilates up in Toronto, Canada. Um, I was young at the time, so, you know, me going off to Toronto was, you know, I didn't have a family or anything, so it was really easy and fun. Um, And then that was about the time I think I met you, Chantel. Mm -hmm. Um, We met, and I think you had a little studio as well. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't meet again, really, I think until 2011. Yeah, Um, yeah, many years ago. Meantime, we were both both very busy and we both did a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so basically I, and then I was living in Pabuma by kind of just by chance. And then um, I was working at my mentor's studio, Connelly Weinberg in Hillsburg, and I was working at some other gyms, and I just felt like, I don't want to drive around. I'd rather just <laughs> work in Petaluma. And so um, at that point, I was the first studio to open. Uh, one woman was working out of her home. Um, and so I opened the studio in 2002. And the reason I opened the studio was because one of my friends had a um, had told me 
that she had started her own company, which was like a, um, a music publishing company. And so I was like, oh, well, as she, and then I was um, living with a roommate who had a jazz uh, band um, sort of bar. And I was like kind of living with these entrepreneurs. I was living with an entrepreneur, entrepreneur and then I had a good girlfriend and she was an entrepreneur. And I said, well, why don't I just open my own studio? Mm-hmm. Not really realizing um you know, everything that goes into that. But mm-hmm. it was a very organic experience. Mm-hmm. And it was a very different market in O2. I mean, I had to tell everybody what Pilates was. Nobody even knew what it was. Yeah. So um, that's definitely changed a lot in the last 15 years. Sure. And you had mentioned earlier that one of the one of the thoughts, at least, I don't know how much of a driving force this was for you, but that becoming a Pilates teacher um, that, that potential was, if you're looking into the future, uh, made sense if you wanted to start a family at some point. Oh, absolutely. And then also like in, in the moment, because I was young, I was about 22 when I opened the studio, um, I felt like, oh, well, gosh, you know, um, I can travel, right? So, and I can set my own hours and I really liked that, Mm -hmm. um, And so I was able to, I did a lot of traveling um, when I was young, Mm -hmm. and um, I I sometimes taught, I traveled and taught Pilates, sometimes I just traveled. I have a brother who lives in New Zealand, so um, I was really able to do that, but then always in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, well, this flexibility Mm -hmm. would work really, really well if, um, you know, I can meet the wonderful husband that I'm going to meet someday, And, and if we decide to have children, what a nice flexible option, mm-hmm. um, this will be for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a little naive yeah. <laughs> to and think then... that, um, because as your studio mm-hmm. grows, you get a lot more responsibilities yes. and then having a family is, is another whole other level of responsibilities yeah. that I'm, yeah. I'm really starting to, um, realize, um, <laughs> and enjoy, but yeah, it's, um, I've always been someone who, who doesn't sit still very often, so keeping yeah. moving is kind of a natural natural thing for me. Yeah, and one of the things I've always appreciated about our relationship and our conversations is that we have this similar drive, and we are always kind of looking um, for what, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to participate in our work and in our life, and, and also very reflective, and so it's always been so sweet to have you know, somebody who's in the same profession, who is a fellow studio owner, you know, when I was a studio owner. Um, and then, uh, you know, just to, to see this in you, the same thing that I, you know, have in myself. And then of course now, I mean, you, you meet people who also are in this position, right. Of, of they, they became a Pilates teacher, they opened a studio and now they're moving into teacher training or they're, you know, they're, they're creating curriculum or, or supporting their teachers in a unique way. Um, it's been, it's been really great to watch you continue to evolve and, and to work out, you know, what, what's often, you know, challenge the challenges around all of that. Um, certainly, as you said, you know, transitioning from, being a teacher to being a studio owner, uh, is, is, uh, one that maybe some of us or all of us are kind of not expecting, right? We're not, we're not always clear about what the responsibility is going to be and what that's going to be like and how we're going to manage our, uh, our teaching within that new identity and role as a studio owner. Um, and so, so watching you, you know, kind of do all of this and expand and grow 
there was a moment and you'll have to tell me what year it was. Cause I, I can't remember now if it was what, five years ago that you decided to go to grad school. Talk a little bit mm-hmm. about that and what the, what that, you know, what was the driving force for you, um, to, to move, you know, you certainly, you haven't moved out of being a studio owner. Um, but, but there, uh, there was something there, some, that, that kind of constant drive, but you went back to grad school. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there were two, um, real things that were happening with me. So once again, I've, I've mentioned, um, a woman, an interest named Connelly Weinberg. Um, so she, she came up with a type of movement called Mindful Spine, um, which she teaches today. And she shared that with me in 07. And um, as she was teaching me to work, she would speak a lot about how it was the brain that was um, really in charge of movement and, and of the body. And at that point, I mean, to me, that seems, well, absolutely, of course, that's so obvious now. But at the time, I was thinking, like, um, you know, I think when you become a Pilates instructor, at least when I did in 02, when I reformed, uh, received some formal training to stop Pilates, is, you know, it's very biomechanical-based. So I was really always thinking through a musculoskeletal, biomechanical, you know, how maybe fascial lens of movement versus thinking about the brain. Mm-hmm. And so um, I literally, there was that going on. That was definitely, so that was an inspiration there to be like, oh, well, I appreciate biology. I got my undergraduate degree in human physiology, so I, I felt like, well, I understand the biology of the body, and I teach mind body. I, I teach Pilates. That's called mind body. But gosh, I've never received any training in the mind per se. Or what is this mind body that I'm teaching? So I felt that there was like a missing piece in my education. Um, and then additionally, uh, I, you know, just I think from a just from a life experience, I was, you know, kind of about 30, and I said, well, gosh, you know, my, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I just should maybe take it to the next level here. And so I think, you know, sometimes as young women, we sort of get to be around 30, and we're like, oh, what are, what are we doing? We should, you know, kind of take another stab at, at, at um, you know, at elevate what we're doing. So I did that, and I Googled body and brain and I googled mind and brain and there happened to be a, um, a, a, a master's program at the Harvard Graduate School of Education called Mind, Brain and Education and it felt definitely felt like a bit of a stretch to, to apply to uh, an Ivy League school like that but uh, I went back and I visited the campus. I felt very welcomed and I was like, gosh, I, I think I can do this. Um, so I studied for the GREs and um, took them and then applied. And what was fantastic is I had people from my Pilates studio write a few of my letters of recommendation. And it just felt so good that originally in my early 20s, I'd followed my passion, you know, and it literally, you know, led me to another great experience um, in graduate school where I was able to really study what I wanted to learn, which was how does the brain understand and perceive movement, and then how can I take that understanding to become a better teacher? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really went to school with that express intent um, to develop curriculum, um, which has now turned into Body Break Connect for teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, that's, that's, and I think, so when, so you had gone to, I feel like we connected briefly 
perhaps right before you went to grad school um, in some very mm-hmm. fleeting way and and yeah. then and then really reconnected when you got back and um, yeah and that was 2011 yeah and I remember just how how uh, perfect that timing was for me uh, in 2011 as I was kind of um, you know very close to the apex of my my big turning point in my career and, and, and really having a very strong desire to move out of studio ownership, you know, after, uh, I guess at that point between the two studios had been close to eight, eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so great, you know, and I had already started skillful teaching in some way. The book came out in 2011 and it, and, and, I think you sent me an email or maybe you called me up and you were like, Hey, you're doing all these things. Here's what I'm doing. Like, can we get together and, and can we chat? Can I pick your brain? And it was just like, you know, it's like, I really wish that more people would do that, would, would reach out. And I mean, many people do, but it was just such a, such a mutually valuable, um, moment. And, uh, as you guys will find out later, uh, has led Ian and I to some really cool, cool stuff. Um, the, the body brain connect Anne, is, uh, so awesome and so unique and so powerful. And I have really enjoyed, um, you know, participating in the curriculum and watching you develop it and, um, you know, watching you share it with a greater and, uh, you know, a bigger audience over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about what uh, Body Brain Connect is and, and what, what the vision is there? And then, um, yeah, and then, and then we'll go from there. I have some other questions, but one at a time, I think, is good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, essentially, um, I mentioned, like, I came to graduate school really with this burning question of how can I improve my teaching by understanding how the brain learns movement? or um, creates movement or perceives movement. So an example, I think, is when you first become a Pilates instructor and you first kind of embody the exercises and you learn how to, how to, how to execute the exercises. And then I think, you know, hopefully most, most schools you get another layer of, of education, which is this anatomy, right? You understand the muscles, you understand the bones and the joints and how they function. Um, and a lot of people are, are really um, exploring fascia now, so understanding the fascial lines and how. And I think when people start to take that anatomy of the body, of the muscles and the bones and, and things like the fascia, all of a sudden I think a lot of times the teachers are like, oh, my gosh, like how could I teach without knowing this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, n- now that I know about the psoas and where it inserts and exactly how to get it to function a little bit more smoothly, wow, you know, now I can really, really teach and really make profound changes um, because a lot of times clients come to us and nobody has a perfect body, right? So mm-hmm. we're always kind of tweaking and, and helping them with that. And so I feel like once you understand the brain and how the brain learns movement and how the brain sees movement, um, that we are much more, we be, our, our teaching becomes much more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this um, type of teaching, I call it brain-based teaching, uh, because it's based on the biology of the brain, is um, is very helpful for all populations. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's helpful um, for someone who might just be, um, who might not have a lot of body awareness. It might be helpful for someone who has some numbness in their body due to uh, surgery or 
um, you know, for whatever reasons. And it's also helpful for people who have strokes or have neurological conditions. Right. So I've always kind of tried to not um, create my curriculum to be based around a specific population of people, mm-hmm. but really that the curriculum can be applied to any population. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, I think a lot of times Pilates instructors were just using um, what we've learned through um, trial and error with our students, and we can apply it to any student. Absolutely. So um, that's that's a lot of, of what Body Brain Connect is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I specifically, I do enjoy research. Um, I'm currently on the, the research board for the Pilates Method Alliance, and I feel like um, if, if we can use research, which is um, essentially evidence-based, um, then how can we take that research and apply it to movement practice? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times um, I say Body Brain Connect is about taking brain research and applying it to movement practice. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some nuance there um, because a lot of times, you know, essentially nobody's doing brain research about Pilates, right? right? right. That, that just that doesn't exist. Right. So what I'm trying to do is to be that bridge to say, well, this is what brain research says um, about how the brain understands movement or perceives movement, and then how can we take that and apply that to to our teaching? Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to offer that that bridge for people. And I think it's really fun. I think it's really fun to take something that's sort of outside the Pilates world and then apply it to the Pilates world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's like refreshing because you get, you, you're, you're studying work that, you know, researchers, most of them probably have never done Pilates, right? right. They're not looking at their research through that lens. So it's really fun. And you get some really creative ideas Absolutely. looking outside of your field and then applying those ideas to your field. And that, I think, gives me a lot of excitement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And And, you know, a lot of the work that I have, the um, scene you present, you know, very straightforward, very simple. And, you know, you have said this, I think, yourself, and, and certainly it's been my experience that a lot of what you're talking about is, you know, there are some things, not all of these things, uh, but some of these things that we kind of do intuitively. We maybe do them sometimes, or um, we're aware that there's a there's a, a way of uh, saying something or touching somebody or demonstrating something that is more or less effective. I mean, we all are assessing, I think, our own skills, right, kind of all the time. Um, and what I have loved uh, about your work for myself and how I've integrated it and how I've seen others integrate it is um, it's so simple and so powerful. And it makes you feel like you're going to get so much more out of yourself and so much more out of your students. It's not like, here's one of the things I really love about it. And, and, and I think why our approaches uh, align so well is that it's not like, here's a whole new method. Here's a whole new protocol. Here's a whole new step-by-step something that you have, that you can apply and get these results. And then it's a new tracking system and it's a new assessment, you know, protocol. It's like, that to me gets a little overwhelming, and I think there's a lot of that out there, and people are learning it, but that they're really falling short in applying it. I mean, I know that's been my own experience over the you know 20 years of continuing education. I mean, you can only take so much in, and you certainly can only apply so much of it um, well, at least. And I know you and I have had this conversation before, but what the, what I love about your work is just that 
it just makes everything I do better and more intentional. And then it, it does lead me down these very, um, effective paths of teaching of different ways of teaching, because I understand that if I put myself in the student's first person perspective, right, rather than facing them in the third person perspective, excuse me, good heavens, perspective, it makes, it can make all the difference, right? It's like that one tiny thing. That's not a whole new tool. That's just turn around. I mean, that's literally just turn around. Um, and I think it's, it's just like, that's just a very simple example, but, um, it just lends, you know, what you're offering lends such a depth and richness to teaching. And, and I love that about it. Um, because it doesn't feel like I don't feel guilty, you know, and I don't feel that weight to like, shift everything or change everything or, you know, change my approach in order to make something, some new information useful. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that, 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 um, those set of cues just came straight out of a brain research journal, Mm -hmm. um, where they were looking at, um, how much people's brains were activated when they were looking at movement um, based from the first-person perspective, which essentially means that movements are, your brain perceives the movements as coming from your own body versus from the third-person perspective, which would be like looking at your teacher in the mirror, having the teacher face you at the end of the foot bar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so I just, I love, and the crazy thing is, is there's tons of this information sitting in these journals but, you know, few people have access to these journals, um, which I know some people are really fighting for to, to create um, journals that are more accessible to the public. Um, and, then, and then just taking these nuggets and, and applying them, I just – and at first, you know, what, what I also like about looking at research is, like, sometimes the research says something that is kind of contraindicated to what you, a belief that you have, and it con- causes you to kind of change your belief. Not that we want to be wishy-washy or have no core values, but like one example um, is this concept of of using your external environment to improve your cueing. Right. Um, and so, from the Pilates perspective, I was like, oh well, you know, body awareness is the absolute best. So, you know, you must always teach uh, students from feeling from inside their yes, body, right, and, and right. that's the that's the highest value. You know, sort yeah. of like that's the best thing ever. And you know, I think in Pilates. You know, we tend to kind of, at least I, I had that view and I had kind of indoctrinated that view. Yeah. And so when I came across this body of research that said, well, actually, if, if you're struggling with body awareness or you don't have body awareness, you know, don't ask somebody to necessarily, um, you know, rotate their femur in their socket so that they get better turnout. Right. You know, ask the student to open their knee to the door mm-hmm. to get better turnout. Right. Um, and so for me, that felt like, oh, am I betraying this beautiful body awareness that I'm always, you know, oh, you know, it's so fabulous. But um, <laughs> it's just, but you know, you have to kind of like, you know, be practical. Yes. Right. Um, and, and so using your external environment is so helpful, too. So I'm always, at first, it was really hard to get information that kind of pushed me to think outside the Pilates lens or, or you know, the Pilates sort of, sometimes it was like unspoken values or expectations of like, well, we, we always must tune inward. Well, yes, that's helpful, but, you know, sometimes tuning outwards is helpful too. And, and research clearly supports that. Yeah. So, um, it's just, yeah, I, I kind of get excited when I can find, um, some research that, 
uh, pushes pushes us to think, you know, challenges our, our already kind of, you know, thought process or indoctrination of, of what we think is, you know, the best type of movement or understanding right. in our body. Right. So, the other thing I love about that, I think, is that it, it reinforces uh, an idea um, that many of us hold and are really attending to explicitly, which is, you you know, we have all these tools, we have the repertoire, we have uh, all these additional, you know, methodologies or modalities that we apply and use, and yet none of it means anything unless we're really meeting our students where they are, right? We have to, right. we have to right. teach right. to the body that's in front of us. I mean, we can hold body awareness as our number one priority in terms of outcomes. And we can, you know, kind of, I think what happens is, you know, we kind of dangle it over our own heads and our students' heads is like, you know, that's the, that's the indicator of, um, you know, success. But the truth is, I mean, how many people come into the studio with like zero body awareness? I mean, you can't just, you know, it's like, because that's important to you, you, you can't overlook the fact that most people are really, uh, they have a, you know, they have a very decreased sense of proprioception and interception and, um, but not to mention just attentional disconnect. Um, and that's, and, and I do, yeah. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I, no, I, I just, I got to bring this up because I feel like it's exacerbated by, you know, how much everybody has technology in their hands. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah know? of course. When yeah. you and I first started training, did you ever tell your, your students to go home and sit on a phone book? Right. <laughs> you, know? you know, you can't, you can't tell people to do that anymore because phone books don't exist. Right. You know, and <laughs> we're all staring at our, at our screens. So it's just, I think that, you know, the online world is, is not um, an embodied world yet. No, no, I'm course. sure, you know, virtual reality and everything. <laughs> Give it a few years, it will be. But yeah. right now it's not too embodied. So anyways, I, I kind of, I always want to mention that as well. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, this idea of like the, the using your external environment and, and um, you, you know, you've demonstrated some really cool things to the teachers and skillful teaching um, that I know have kind of just blown them away and, and shifted their perspective. And again, simple things in terms of developing body awareness. It's like if, if your student doesn't have any or they have very little, you can't just teach from a place of inner experience, right? You cannot do uh -huh. it. It does not work. So, uh, uh you know, you, you it, have to build, you have to, you have to build that right. experience. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's interesting too. And I think it's kind of funny and I, I like to say this, I don't know if you say this too, maybe you do. Um, you know, we're so focused on working from the inside out, right? Like that's the Pilates idea, right? Mm -hmm. We work from the, the, mm -hmm. you know, intrinsic muscles outward, but really when you're developing body awareness, one of the most powerful ways to do that is to work from the outside in. And I just think that's, yeah. you know, that's brilliant and that's exciting. And, and like how it's good to know that because I think a lot of us, um, you know, we struggle and we feel frustrated and then our students feel demotivated and frustrated when they're not mm -hmm. getting it. Uh, but it's because we're only taking this one approach, right? In inside to exactly. outside, it's like, well, it just doesn't, it's just not working and it doesn't work for a reason, right? Dictated by the way that the brain, uh, works. So it's all just, exactly. you know, really thrilling, um, just really thrilling stuff, what you're doing, uh, which leads me to uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, Anne, which is, 
over the course of, uh, you know, these last six years that you've been developing Body Brain Connect, what are the, some of the things, um, like the big aha moments or insights, um, about how the work's been received or how it's developed? Like what's been the most exciting or the most shocking or, or maybe the most insightful just as you've put these ideas out into the world? Yes, so I think what's been so exciting um, is when um, I I teach in my workshops and I have students who, you know, I don't always know their their backgrounds or things like that and everything that they've gone through, but as we go through the material, um, we always have practice moments. And I remember one time um, I was teaching a concept called Visual Enhancement of Touch, uh, where you use your your hands and your eyesight together in a combined format to to to, to work with your body better and, and to understand how it moves and, and to feel it more. And um, I had a, a student in a course who had, had just had two children, and she goes, "Oh my gosh, I haven't really felt my abs um, since you know since I until I just did this." <laughs> and it just really made me realize like well, see, this work can be applied to any population. I mean, I'd never thought, like, oh, well, this work will help, you know, the, a postnatal student. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, and, you know, this is a Pilates instructor, right? She's telling people to use their abs every day, so it's not like she doesn't get it. Right. She, she, she understands it, but she, she hadn't felt it for a while. Um, so that was really fun for me to hear someone where I wasn't assuming that they, that I would get a response like that. Um, but just to really see how these types of how brain-based cues can be applied to anyone mm-hmm. um, and any population. Um, so that that was that was quite exciting. Um, and then uh, I have about three courses now. I started with one course, and I now have three. And, and my last course is about um, uh, body awareness, emotions, and pain. Um, and um, I really, really enjoy the pain curriculum. Um, I, I take the work from Explain Pain, which some people are very familiar with. Um, Lorma Mosley, their physical therapist, um, and uh, David Butler out of um, Australia, and something called uh, Neuroscience Education, um, which are uh, a couple of um, physical therapists from America. And the curriculums are very similar, but I apply it more to Pilates. And um, I found that because I originally had a back injury, which I mentioned a long time ago, at the beginning of this podcast, um, I, I started uh, as a Pilates teacher in pain. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just really love to see how um, I get a lot of aha moments from teachers when I start teaching them this curriculum about pain because pain is not just an experience we have in our body. Mm-hmm. Um, pain, pain is an experience that our brain constructs. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, you never want to tell someone your pain's off all in your brain. That can be a very defeating thing to say, so I'm absolutely not saying that. But um, it really helped me personally um, with with painful sensations in my body. And um, it's also, I've just seen it really help a lot of clients and then a lot of teachers work better with their clients in pain. Mm -hmm. So I just think that there's a lot of information out there um, about the brain. Unfortunately, not all of it is is up to date and not all of it is um, accurate. So mm-hmm. I try to just keep the pieces that I feel are, are, are best for, um, for Pilates instructors mm-hmm. and that are, and that are good. Um, 
versus, um, you know, woo-woo or sort of pseudoscience. Um, but, you know, science can change. So, you know, <laughs> if, if something changes that I'm teaching people in Body Brain Connect, I will um, put an addendum and, and let everybody know. Yeah. But, well, yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> I have to have that reality. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the things you, you always have been is diligent, you know, and, and really willing to just be very clear about what you're what you're communicating and what you're presenting. So... Um, I've certainly watched that, uh, over the last several years as your curriculum has, has developed and you've developed your ideas. Um, it's just a tremendous amount of integrity in the work that you do, which is, is also something I've always really admired and appreciated about you. Um, you're very welcome. Um, there are two, two, two more things I wanted to just touch on. Um, one is, uh, because, you know, this podcast uh, that Deborah Colway and I, you know, started, we started with the vision of, of, um, you know, just bringing a, a, a different, uh, angle to the teaching Pilates and, um, you know, a very thoughtful approach to, to movement and being a teacher and what that experience is, not just from a technical perspective, um, or even an entrepreneurial perspective, but from a whole person perspective, um, and that is, you know, personally, I think that is what drives both Deborah and I, and it's certainly, you know, been a driving force in every conversation that we've had together. And, and, and then it's, uh, you know, it's a foundation of, of the way I interact with, with the guests on the show. It's also really important to me, uh, as the founder of Skillful Teaching that, that we're looking at, um, teaching and, and just being, uh, like having a vocation, right? Having a craft is that we're, we're really looking at how to be the best we can be from that whole person perspective and not just from, um, the technical perspective, you know, as seen through the method that we teach. Uh, so with all of that lead up, the question is, <laughs> yeah, uh, is just bridging this gap of, um, you know, how do you feel like where you're, you're at now, the work that you're doing? I mean, you've, you know, you're in this really intense phase of, um, parenthood and, um, you know, you've got, you've got a well-established, um, and, and very well working studio and, but body brain connect is still really emerging and growing with all of these things. How would you say that they're a reflection of your core values? You know, in skillful teaching, we talk about that idea of a core commitment. Um, you know, how, how are these things aligning with what, What's most important to you as a person? It's mm, a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like one way to respond is um, I always felt like I started teaching Pilates about 21, 22 years old. And so I was, I was young and um, mm. I was teaching people who were, you know, more than twice my age. Um, and I, you know, they were there to, to listen to me and I was teaching quite a few people in pain because I felt comfortable teaching people in pain because I had been in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because of those factors, I always felt like I can't, I need to come across as very professional or nobody's going to take me seriously, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I think from a very young age, I felt like, you know, I I wanted to be to take Pilates, which 
you know, is fitness, but is also, for me, it felt like this amazing healing experience. Um, and, and to really create it to be professional. Um, so, so I always wanted to act professionally and, um, and have that going. But, you know, not be uptight and have fun and do what I loved and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like, as a younger person, um, that was very important uh, for me. And as, as I look forward where I am now, I feel like I've established that. Um, I'm thankful um, for the PMA because they promote those ideas um, of professionality within the, the business um, of, of Pilates. Um, and then also where I am now, I feel like I really want to, um, my focus now is is to continue um, being there for my teachers at the studio and being there for some of the clients that I work with. Um, I, I plan to return um, and a limited schedule with clients later in the year. Um, but um, I, my real focus right now is, is Body Brain Connect. So I want to bring more Body Brain Connect into my current studio. Um, so I think that's kind of where I'm at is a little bit of integration. You know, I sort of was pursuing, well, I have the studio and I have Body Brain Connect, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we need to integrate our lives. We need to be, you know, as you're saying, a whole person, a whole studio. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a mother now to two young children. Um, and so how can I integrate this Body Brain Connect more into my studio and then also, um, I'm very, very interested in and in, in, in working on and have a few courses now online where um, I'm bringing uh, what I what I teach online. Um, the last three years, I taught an online course um, through a um, through CAS, the Center for Applied Special Technologies, um, which was essentially teaching uh, professional development to teachers. So, and I was doing that all online. So I have some experience with online teaching and, um, I've developed a few courses that I'll be rolling out in 2017. So, um, for right now, that flexibility of online teaching, um, about body brain connect, I think is really where I want to focus my work and, and integrating that. Yeah. So you would say that, um, uh, professionalism has been a strong driving force for you in terms of just how you've chosen, uh, you know, how to create your work and how to move forward. Would you say, uh, would you say, um, that, uh, curiosity is also a driving force for you? I mean, what else? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Yes, I, it's not that I always want to, you know, follow the shiny object, right. <laughs> but you know, um, I guess I do sometimes. I'm like, ooh, well, well, what's what's that about? I mean, I think I tend to, you know, find something. I take a little while, but I find something that I like, and then I, I go for it, and I, and I, I tend to, you know, stay with it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm celebrating the 15 years at the studio. Um, and then I, I feel like with Body Brain Connect, there's just so much there um, uh, that is missing from, um, you know, just the, you know, basic uh, Pilates teaching curriculum. Um, that and, and, you know, there's lots of lots and lots of things that you could pick up, postnatal training and, I mean, you know, pink ribbon training. And, I mean, the list is, is huge. Osteoporosis training is everything. Um but I feel like um, just learning how to teach is a huge, 
um, you know, people kind of just take for granted, oh, you'll just teach. But there's lots of research and evidence-based um, information about how to teach, yeah. um, whether it's brain-based or whether it's just, you know, ha- 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 good good pedagogy. How do you teach mm-hmm. well? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's not to be overlooked. So absolutely curiosity. Yeah. And right. I also think um, perseverance. You yes. want to, if you find mm-hmm. something, you know, I think both you and I have gone through times with our, our businesses, um, whether it was studios or, or skillful teaching or body brain connect, where things got really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't sure how we were going to go forward, but yeah. we just kept putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And, um, and that's not a I one time, that, that's but, not a one time deal, right? That's a revolving door. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. But it's exciting though, because. And I, so, right. And I'm really glad that I have community with you because we can share that with each other mm-hmm. and realize we're not alone. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's so important to have community. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons, uh, you know, um, when I was thinking about the next podcast guest, um, it's just one of the reasons, as I mentioned before, that you came to mind because I do think because our profession is dominated uh, by females, uh, that it's frequently a challenge. You know, we do sometimes move into this work if we're young, feeling like it's going to give us flexibility and allow us to kind of pursue uh, travel or, or, or having a family or whatever that might be. But it's also true for, for teachers because there's so many um, teachers tra- using Pilates as a transitional um you know, making a life change, right? Moving out of a, a, a career, a long-time career, you know, we see so much of that. So, you know, um, teachers who have, you know, uh, teenage children or grown children who are transitioning into um, careers as, as Pilates teachers and it's, it's just not as easy as we think, you know, I mean, there's, uh, especially if you want to be good at it and you take it seriously and, um, right. you know, it, to that end of, of community, I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons why we started the podcast at all is to, is to connect, right. And to share and for people to be able to, to, to know, even if they're not interacting with us, uh, that they're not alone and, and that their questions are our questions that their, their challenges are our challenges. And I just think the moment, this kind of intense and pivotal moment that you're you know, where you're at now is, is, is a place that a lot of teachers have been or imagine, you know, finding themselves. So I really appreciate your perspective and having you on, um, you know, and just that you demonstrate so much strength and perseverance is a great word. I was thinking diligence, uh, when you were talking earlier, that that's one of the things I've always really noticed about you and a very high level of integrity, right. And thoughtfulness, um, certainly from the outside perspective have been things that, that, you know, I'm just, you are constantly embodying. And I think when I look at where you've, you know, taken your work, certainly those things stand out to me and as indicators of, you know, your direction and the choices you've made. So it's cool to see, and I'm, I'm happy to share you with the world and let more people know about the work that you're doing to that end. Thank you. You're so welcome. Uh, the very last thing I thought we would just touch on, um, is the master's program, 
which is, uh, you know, something really exciting that you and I have been collaborating on and working on for quite some time, uh, the science and psychology of um, teaching. Uh, it's a master's program, and it launches, holy smokes, in just about two weeks. And uh-huh. uh, um, just, just briefly, you know, I don't want to get into all the details. I mean, certainly folks are, are welcome to get in touch with us. We encourage that. We're, we still have a couple of open spaces. Um, but uh, because this is really... Um, it's even an, it's even the next step, it feels like maybe it's on a parallel with body brain connect, but, but it also feels like it's another step forward, um, in terms of your work. Um, can you just share a little bit about like, you know, when you started to percolate on, on the idea of a master's program, I know you have some very specific, um, you know, passion for how the program, uh, how we've created the program. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I was sort of alluding to it earlier. It's just, it's part of my vision of, of how I want to see, um, you know, Pilates, the, um, education, uh, for teachers, uh, be expanded. Um, I, I'm going to return to that comment I made where, you know, if, if you're kind of grouping what we do, right, um, and you don't know Pilates, you don't know yoga, you don't know Feldenkrais, you don't know gyrotonics, you don't know Alexander Technique, you don't know that stuff, you might just say, oh, it's, it's a mind-body, right? It's a mind-body a modality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel, again, like we're very well taught in the body, and we, we get a lot of education on how to execute exercises, a lot of it, you know, most likely a lot of education on the anatomy. Um, you know, most recently that's expanded into fascial anatomy. But again, I feel like there's a lot missing on just learning the basics about how the brain understands movement. Mm-hmm. And once you know that, and once you look at the body through that lens, you know, you're looking at the whole body. You're looking at the body and the brain and together and how are they going to communicate with each other. And I felt like, um, but, but that's only a piece of the puzzle, right? That's like kind of the science, the brain. Right. But then we have our mind, which is psychology, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so there's this level of, of brain, there's this level of mind, and then there's this level of teaching. And mm-hmm. so I felt like you and I really wanted to combine these um, areas of understanding um, so that teachers can go out into the world and, and, and for another level and, and feel really strong about what they're doing. And then the final piece is I felt like, well, from what we know about pedagogy and teaching, people tend to retain material best when they create something, when it's project-based. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we wanted to do in this master's program was to not just feed students information, but to have students take the information and create something with right. it right. Um, or have a project that they wanted to work on and help facilitate, help, help the students facilitate um, a, a project. So I felt like a master's program, because in a master's program um, at a at a university, you, you come out with a project, right, right. with a, generally something like a thesis. So 
it felt like a really good alignment. And I felt that um, particularly all the information that Scopal Teaching has um, and that, that Body Brain Connect has, that together we can really offer a really solid curriculum and a project yes. <laughs> for, uh, for our students. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, it's been really exciting. Um, you know, it's exciting uh, for me to feel like this, you know, I loved that you said there's the brain and then there's the mind, you know, there's this, this science and then there's the psychology. And from my perspective, um, you know, it's like so much of what we're taught is not about how to be good teachers, right? Which is about, uh, you know, it's about, this is going to sound a little bit strange, I think, but you know, about our humanness, about our humanity, about being in relationship with other people and what that looks like and what that demands of us. And, you know, exploring the, the intricacies of inter and intrapersonal relationships, self-awareness and awareness of others. And, you know, these concepts of motivation and self-efficacy, uh, that are kind of, kind of just maybe alluded to, uh, in terms of, you know, you have to set clear boundaries and you need to be professional. Um, it's like, but what, what is it, what does that even mean? Like, what does it even mean to anybody? Like, and what does it specifically mean when we're dealing, um, with somebody else's body, you know, the intimacies of, of working with bodies and in movement. And, um, it's certainly been really exciting to feel like, uh, you know, we're, we're in some small way, bridging that gap, uh, between the physical aspect of, of teaching movement and all the things that we all really know are there and need to be addressed. And yet we're, we're not, we're not being helped, right. We're not really being taught, mm -hmm. you know, those things. So, um, yeah. And, and the important thing is to know that there are like, there are frameworks out there that exist that, 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 that will help help you with the psychology and it will help you with the brain. They just need to be, uh, you know, organized and curated right. uh, for Pilates inspectors. Right. So it's not like these ideas don't exist. It's just knowing well, which are solid ideas and which are weaker ideas and which, which really work well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. particularly within the context of Pilates. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because that, that's what, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's exciting to know that it's it's out there and it's just um, you know presenting it in a way that's that is specific to Pilates. So you don't feel like you're taking a course and then you have to do all the translating. Right. You know we mm -hmm. we're, we're helping with that. Right. Yeah. And to and to have uh, teachers who participate be able to to immediately <laughs> hello Dominic. Um, uh, to be able to immediately apply the work in a way that's very simple and straightforward, um, is very exciting to me. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, I love, I love really tracking the progression of your work and your career and, you know, the choices that you've made. And I hope that's been, uh, you know, useful for people who are listening the work that we do together is amazing. And I'm also so grateful for that opportunity. Um, if anybody, so bodybrainconnect.com, right? Anne is, is the website yeah. and, uh, uh, the studio, if you happen to be a local teacher, uh, Pilates within the, the web address is what? Downtown Petaluma Pilates.com. 
Okay. And Downtown Petaluma Pilates.com. Yeah, I'll I'll include all of the contact information in the show notes. Um, if you happen Thank to you. be intrigued about the master's program, we do launch February 15th. It is primarily an online program with a lot of one-on-one attention and interaction. And um, so if you're elsewhere in the world, it is absolutely possible to participate. We do have one live event that that'll be our big gathering and um, it's going to be very sweet. We'll be in Petaluma and that's in May. I don't have the dates handy, but again, I'll, we'll put all that information in the show notes for you. Thanks so much, Anne. Uh, it's always just such a pleasure to speak with you and, um, give those babies a big kiss and hug for me. Absolutely. And thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> Well, thanks to Ann Bishop for taking the time. We had the perfect ending moment as uh, Dominic uh, started to uh, talk to us a little bit there at the end. So um, such a pleasure to talk with her, and I hope you enjoyed hearing about um, just the work that she's doing and what she's putting out in the world. Super, super exciting. Again, we'll have all of Ann's information in the show notes so you can check out her website and find out how to get in touch with her. One of the things that I'm really excited about sharing with you today is the pro tip, which is called visual enhancement of touch or VET. And that's something that Anne touched on uh, in the interview just a little bit. So what I'd like to do is share with you the way that Anne first introduced this to me and the teachers of skillful teaching. So um, one way that we found uh, that's very, very effective to use this is when teaching neutral spine. And teaching it supine is the way that we usually teach it. So that's where we start from in this scenario. So supine in a hook line or a constructive rest position. So what we're going to do is we're going to use the fingertips, the four uh, fingertips pressed together lightly and put them on the ASIS. So you're lying on your back, you're touching the ASIS, and you begin to rock the pelvis from uh, 6 o'clock to 12 o'clock, anterior to posterior tilting. Now, if you're, you're cueing your student to do this, um, they're, they're, what, they're feeling for the movement. Um, you're cueing them in a way that helps them tune into sensation, uh, feeling both under their fingertips, um, the position of the bones, um, the relationship of the low back to the floor, all of these ways that we kind of help to orient the student to the position that we're looking for. Now, the self-touch is incredibly uh, important, and so that's the foundation, so that's the touch piece. The visual enhancement piece is you ask your student to just gently lift the head so that they can see their fingertips on their pelvis, and then they move the pelvis again back and forth from 12 to 6, posterior to anterior, uh, tilting and tucking, and they're watching what the body is doing, what their body is doing as they're also sensing it from the inside and sensing it from the outside. So this kind of trifecta of information helps to solidify the experience. It also helps to develop a very strong sense of awareness. In the podcast, we were talking about meeting our students where they are, and a lot of times we assume that that students can feel where their body is in space more than they actually can. So using visual enhancement of touch is such a powerful tool. Even if you're not sure 
what level of body awareness or, or interoception or proprioception your student has. Start with something like this to help them really ground into the experience and, and let it be rooted in the brain in a more solid way. The way that I use visual enhancement of touch, another way that I like to use it is standing up, finding neutral. So standing up, hands on the ASIS, just in the same manner as before, uh, but uh, perpendicular, standing perpendicularly to a mirror. So that you are, your shoulder is facing the mirror, your hands are on your hips, the front part of the pelvis, and you're moving the pelvis in the same, uh, same fashion. So 12 and 6, posterior, anterior, you're feeling for the movement, you're looking for sensation. So as the teacher, you're directing attention in the places that we're hoping them to find sensation, deep low belly, low back, for instance. And then you're having them actually turn and look in the mirror and watch the movement happen. So this is another way that you can use VET and it just becomes incredibly powerful. Now I use the mirror a lot uh, in this way when I'm building body awareness, particularly when teaching uh, something like squatting. So uh, standing perpendicular to the mirror, it can be very, very useful for the student to see what their body automatically does. Because a lot of people, as you know, have a hard time kind of bypassing the, the habitual uh, initial movement pattern. So in a squat, for instance, most people start by bending at the knee and inevitably the pelvis tucks under, right? Um, maybe or maybe not they're using the glutes, but certainly a posterior tilt of the pelvis, which then puts strain on the knees, strain on the low back, and limits the movement uh, as a whole. So I find that using the mirror, using VET, just to really accentuate and root this idea of where we want the squat to initiate, in this case, the crease of the hips, right? A little anterior tip of the pelvis, a deep crip, uh, crease in the hip so that the femurs can roll out. That's the, that's the initiating sequence that we're looking for. So using the mirror, using the touch, uh, visual enhancement of touch, VET, thanks to Anne. Um, I hope you can uh, play with that and play with that in lots of different ways. I think you'll find that it, it really is a powerful tool and can make a significant difference for your students. Our hero today is this wonderful book written by Vanessa Rodriguez with Michelle Fitzpatrick, and it's called The Teaching Brain, An Evolutionary Trait at the Heart of Education. And this is a book that Anne introduced me to. It's also one of the required reading uh, books for the master's program. Um, it's quite beautiful. Um, some of you have heard me mention Parker Palmer before. He's the author of The Courage to Teach and a, a beautiful book called A Hidden Wholeness, Living an Undivided Life. I find that um, Vanessa's book is very much in that same vein where she's taking the idea, the pedagogy um, of teaching to, to a, a really cool um, very rich level. One of the things that excites me about this book in particular is that she talks about um, teacher awareness. In her book, she divides it into five different areas of awareness. Yourself as a teacher, your awareness of the learner, so that's your awareness of self and awareness of other, then the teacher-learner interaction, that's the teacher and student relationship, and then your teaching practice, your level of awareness to how you're interacting with your practice, your craft itself. And then the contexts that affect your teaching. 
Um, it's it's so practical um, and so insightful. And if you have a desire to one, learn more about the brain, which I hope you do, two, to learn more about yourself as a person, and three, to learn more about how to be better at the craft of teaching and to look at it as a, a real developmental skill that you can uh, progress in and um, really shift and make changes in, I highly recommend this book. So again, in the show notes, you're going to find all of this information. Um, I encourage you to pick up this book, check out Anne's website, Body Brain Connect. And I think that's it for now. You can reach us at thinkingpilatespodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to the next time. Until then, breathe deep and teach well. All the things that make you sing and tap your little toes.